For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yeah, we are back, and it's time for the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shock. My man, Scotty D, as usual, will be joining me to talk a lot of good things on the show today. Before we get going, let's talk about Snappy that makes homes happy. We love Snappy for being a proud sponsor and for us providing electrical, plumbing, heating, and air services to all of Metro Atlanta. They give you lifetime parts and labor locally owned and operated. So let's support them as they support everybody as well. Hey, you want to give them a call? Here's the number. Write it down. Do it. 770-424-SNAP. Or check them out on the web at snappyservices.com. Remember, they are good. They use electrical, plumbing, heating, and air. And we love to use Snappy. You also can use the promo code Triple Threat. You get $75 off your next appointment. I said it, yes. $75 off. Who doesn't want $75 off anything? But I'm all for that. So use the code Triple Threat. Hashtag Snappy makes homes happy. We appreciate Snappy for being a part of the show. Don't forget to check them out. All right, today's show, my man, Tony Barnhart is checking in with us. Mr. College Football. If you don't know who he is, get from underneath that rock. Tony Barnhart has been doing it for years, talking all things college football. We're going to get a lot out of Tony today. He's going to talk SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12. We're going to talk it all, and he's going to give you uh, a glimpse of what he thinks is going to happen at the end of the season going forward. So looking forward to talking to my man, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, here on the Triple Threat Podcast. And we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. But before we get into all that, I got to holler at my man, Scotty D. Scotty D, holler at the people. Let them know how you're doing. What and, is uh, up? Doing? What is up? What is new? 32 years of ineptitude is over. That's what's new. Hey, Scotty D, I ain't asking you about that yet. You okay. already bringing that up. Well, you come on. Talk about your freaking Dodgers. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to give you the floor. What you else am I to think about? We're not even going to start with the college football, NFL. We're going to go straight to the Dodgers. Congratulations to your Dodgers. I'm oh, gonna, man. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Congratulations. I was watching it. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was fun to watch that series. On, I mean, with that lineup, y'all should have won. That's all wow. I'm saying. That's true. That's true. No, no, no doubt about that. There's some good lineups out there, though, too. But uh, I, I tell you, you what. Be. Hold on. Yeah. Before you start, I want to ask you a question. I want to see if you can be 100 with me, keep it all the way above a hundred with me. Can you Go. can you do that? Here's the question: The Rays keeping Snail? Are we talking about the World mm. Series champs right now? Mm. If they well, keep him in the ball game, he right had now, to, That's the question. He had to come out at some point. But at some point, no, but but but, but it led directly to a double off the wall, putting men in the second and third with no outs. So yeah. yeah, it absolutely made the difference. The guy was dealing. Yeah. He was unbelievable yesterday. Yeah, uh, so, he, I mean, the fact that when they take him out the game, mm-hmm. your best player, Mookie Betts, looks yeah. at the bench and starts smiling. That tells you right there. He's like, yeah. oh, thank God. Yes, thank you. He's this, gone. This guy won the Cy Young Award two years ago, I believe, and he was, he was banged up. He's, he got hurt last year. So yeah. he'd been kind of been working back. So he hadn't worked deep into games, but he was only 73, 74 pitches in. It was a crazy move. Crazy, how, crazy move. How nervous were you? Watching the game. I, no, mean, I was pretty might... nervous. The last couple innings was, was pretty nerve-wracking. I'm, I'm glad it didn't get to a game seven. I, I would have enjoyed it. It would have been, it would have been exciting and thrilling. Well, if it had gotten to a game seven, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the game seven probably wouldn't happen to next week or something. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys had a little issue with uh, yeah. man Turner right there at the end of the ball game. But, hey, uh, it, other it, than that, man, anything else you want to talk about your Dodgers before we move on? No, just, just – uh, congratulations to Clayton Kershaw. I mean, yeah. the guy. Since the, the relief from his face, was it? Oh, right? yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy, I know a lot of people 
give him a lot of grief about his playoff record, which it's, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. Um, but he, he really, I'm really happy for him. Um, yeah. And, you know, and the, the there's only a couple guys that have been there for a really long time, Justin Turner, because um, they, they got a lot of young players, so they're going to be around for a while. But um, no, I mean, it, it was, it's, it's exciting. Like I told you earlier, when, when I was 14 years old in 1988, yeah. I certainly didn't think I would be 46, married for 17 years, three kids <laughs> before I saw it again. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, cool. it's exciting. You, I mean, we've all been there. We're seeing one of our teams win it. Well, most people have been there when they see teams winning a championship. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's exhilarating. Shout out to the Dodgers, man. Obviously, the big news coming out of the World Series mm. was Justin Turner mm. was notified uh, <laughs> late in that, late in that uh, game, seventh, eighth inning, I believe it was, that he had COVID and he had to take himself out of the ballgame and be quarantined. But the biggest news was the Dodgers win the game, they're celebrating, and then here comes Justin Turner on the field. Yeah. Uh, sometimes with the mask, sometimes without the mask, mm-hmm. and he's no ES COVID. Like to me, I'm gonna be honest, and I think everybody, if they're honest with themselves, if you get the opportunity to do something that you never have done ever, mm-hmm. and this may be the last time you get a chance to do it, like win a World Series, yeah, and you want to feel the emotion of being out there with your teammates, I think a lot of people would have did exactly what turned it in. Now, it was bad. We know it all was bad. He shouldn't have been out there. He's putting a mm-hmm. lot of people in danger. But it's hard to say, hey, you sit back in the clubhouse while everybody's on the field and kind of celebrate. Your thoughts, Scotty D, on that? Yeah. So it, it, when eighth inning happened or whatever, and he got replaced at third base, nobody knew why. So the announcers were talking about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll check on if there's an injury or something because it was abrupt. You know, it, it was just right. – he was just gone. It wasn't, it wasn't pinch hit for or anything like that. So – that caught my attention game ends and I'm seeing everybody pile onto the field and, and everything. And I'm like, I'm looking, I look at my, my son. I'm like, Will, JT's not out there. I don't see his red hair and red beard flashing anywhere. Where is he? You know? So, so right. we noticed that he wasn't out there. And then 30 minutes later or whatever, the news broke, it hit, hit my phone and I, I showed it to him. I'm like, dude, look at this. This is not good. Yeah. Um, and then, then he, um, you know, then he rejoined the team. My thoughts are this. And I, and I appreciate you saying what you said, because it's not coming from a fan of the team. Right. Because I feel like you, people are only going to be able to take me so seriously if, uh, if I say this. If I'm, if I'm one of his teammates, dude's been on the team for eight years. He's been through all these, these, uh, these walls that they've hit at the end of the season, all, all these right. letdowns. I'm having him with me. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and another thing is, he's been with this team all this time. Anybody that's exposed, they probably all have it. Yeah. They just yeah. don't have the test back yet, or he's got a false positive, which is a possibility. Yeah. So uh, that's how I feel about the situation from a teammate standpoint and, and, from, and from, I feel like, a, a, an honest standpoint. What I'm tired of is people in the media that like to hear themselves talk and just want to be – you know, that are just browbeating people about right, right, what, right. what, what, what somebody else should be doing. And you. it's just, it's, and that's, that's combined with election. Um, uh, I'm tired, tired of election, you know, ads yeah. for, for yeah. Po- politics and stuff like that. So I think that's how I'm, that's piling onto that to me. So I'm with you, man. I, it was unfortunate that that's the conversation of being talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, big kudos to your Dodgers, man. Congrats to those guys. It was a for them to come back versus my Braves, uh, down 3 1, and then finish off the rest of that series. And you know, going to the World Series, playing against the Rays, a pretty good ball club, obviously. And winning that is a huge accomplishment. So, uh, big, big shout out to the Dodgers for going out and getting that big win. Uh, National Football League, let's talk about a little football, man. Let's do it. Uh, every week, it seems like we have a different conversation about our Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> This week was unfortunate as well. The Detroit Lions uh, last week came in and beat them at the end of the ball game again. Um, good thing for the Falcons is they get a chance to play on Thursday night. They get a chance to play back again tonight. They get a chance to play the Carolina Panthers. So we see what happens in that ball game. They can remedy that tough loss that they just had. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the big story 
uh, from that. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but that Gurley scoring a touchdown. Mm. Uh, I tell people all the time, this is what I thought about it. So he knew the situation. He said yeah. after the game, he had been in that spot four or five times previous in his mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. And this particular time, if you're watching the game, one guy actually lets him go. Then the second guy is the guy who's tugging at the yeah, football. Yeah. Like literally tugging at the football. Right. And in his mind, I guarantee you, in the, the moment in motion in that game, he's like, don't fumble. So his right. momentum is pulling himself towards the end zone, trying to hold on to the football. And as he gets away from that guy, he's right up on the end zone. And then, boom, he lands on it. And obviously, the touchdown, everybody knows what happened after that. Yeah. Uh, just tough, tough to see the Falcons lose in that manner. Still had a chance to stop them there at the end. Wasn't able to do it. So, uh, tough for the Falcons uh, to, to see that happen. What do you think about that scenario happening? Well, anybody that wants to blame Todd Gurley for scoring a touchdown, stop. Just yeah. stop. Yeah. You All you had to do was hold them to a field goal. And was it 40 seconds, DJ, or was it more time than that? It was like 59, okay. a minute, four seconds, or something like that. Okay, yeah. it was a minute, roughly. No timeouts, yeah. Uh, just hold them to a touchdown. You can't just blame a guy for scoring a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Hold, hold him to a field goal. Field goal. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> tough, tough, tough sled, man. Amazing. Uh, tough sled and the Falcons lose another one. But, hey, we'll see if they can bounce back against the Carolina Panthers. I'll take a little, little sour taste out of their mouth. And it's a division game, so we'll see. Cowboys, okay. another tough loss. Um, they lose Andy Dalton. They get crushed in the ball game. Andy Dalton out with a concussion. So, the Cowboys – are predicted to lose the rest of their games. They're predicted <laughs> to go 2-14. and 14. Scotty, here is an interesting thing I want to pose to you. This wasn't even on our script. We didn't talk about it. I want to ask you about it. All right. The Jets obviously may have the number one pick. Cowboys in the season, and they have the number two pick. Do you take Justin Fields – and just say scrap everything else and move on from Dak Prescott and draft Justin Fields to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, it takes a bit of medical knowledge for me to qualified <laughs> to answer that. You know, like Dak Prescott's injury was very um, uh, similar to um, the Redskins. Um, oh, yeah. Thiesman. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Smith. Alex Smith. Oh, yeah, Alex Smith. John Alex Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Very yeah. similar to that. So, if I knew I was getting that kind of comeback, I might think about it. But if, but if, but if the prognosis for his recovery is 100%, hell no. Okay. Pay, pay Dak. Get him back. I mean, I don't know if he'll even be able to play next year, though, you know. I mean, that, that yeah. could be a debilitating injury. Looked, sure looked like it. But no, if 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 Dak can, if Dak's going to make a, a a recovery, no, that's stupid. Yeah, I'm with you. I hear you. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting though, because if the Cowboys continue down that road, it's gonna be a lot of conversation on do they get another quarterback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have Trevor and at the top of that uh, yeah. list, and a lot of talk about Trevor coming out this week saying he doesn't know. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe you know he'll. Trevor better stop lying. Trevor that's better silly. go to the NFL and go get that money. That's silly. There's no reason for you to go back to college when you're the number one overall pick. They're Look, gonna have I, an opportunity to draft guys. They're gonna have probably a new coach. They're gonna have new organizational things going on. So they're gonna have an opportunity to make that football team better and everybody to go get that brain. Well, let me ask you: Do you think the Jets? I mean, Sam Darnold's only been there a couple of years, and look, they are not helping him with what they have around him. I don't know how good Sam Darnold is. He doesn't look great, but again, I don't. I, I'm not a I'm not an evaluator of talent of what's around him. So, are they good? You think the Jets would give up on Sam Darnold that quick? Absolutely. Yeah. If they get an opportunity to drive Trevor Lawrence and where they're going to be, they're going to have multiple draft picks. They're going to have, and then just just say you trade Andy Dalton. I mean, you you trade uh you trade you trade him from that football team. If you yeah. if, if you trade him, you're going to get extra picks for him. So. And there's a chance you get more for Sam Darnold as well. So you can add to whatever you want with Trevor Lawrence. So as far as being able to trade him, do 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 they think Darnold's here, but Trevor Trevor Ceiling's here, or Absolutely. do they or do they think Darnold is poo? Now I don't think they think he's poo, but I think he has. So they can get some for him. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, like you said, he's still young. 
Yeah. And he's played some football, just been on a bad football team. Give him a chance to play on a good football so team. So he's not – this isn't – yeah, this isn't a Josh Rosen situation. No, no, no. I think okay. you've got a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. You go okay. with Trevor Lawrence. All right, other big games coming up this week. We talked about Atlanta and Carolina. You got the Raiders taking on Cleveland. Cleveland had a big win mm-hmm. last week. Uh, came back and beat Joe Burrow, battle of two number ones last week. Mayfield mm-hmm. with five tubs in that ball game. Yeah. So Raiders been playing good as well. Pittsburgh and Baltimore, interesting yep. ball game there with Big Ben and and obviously uh, Baltimore in that defense and Pittsburgh still winning and it's going to be fun to watch that game and San Fran and Seattle. Seattle coming off the tough loss to Arizona on Monday night. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyler Murray and that team, a lot of credit. They played pretty good uh, for their college football. Let's talk a little college football for right. we get our man Tony Barnhart. Remember, Tony Barnhart's coming up here in a couple minutes, Mr. College Football. You don't want to miss some of the things that he talks about. Uh, Wisconsin drills Illinois 45-7. to Ohio State 52-17 to over Nebraska. Justin Fields, who we were just talking about, nearly perfect in that ballgame, had one incompletion, and that was a yeah. catch in the end zone that dude should have caught, so he could have been perfect in that ballgame. Uh, Indiana upsets Penn State, which I thought was a big ballgame, 35-36. to So a lot mm-hmm. of things going on in college football. What are some big things you're looking for this weekend in college football, Scotty D? Well, I'm, I mean, obviously my biggest point of interest is how Florida's going to re, you know, how they're going to return after being out of commission for two weeks. I am not optimistic about this game just because I, I, I know that Florida has a superior talent, but I just think that being not being able to practice for two weeks, that's going to be significant, don't you think? Yeah, that's going to be tough, man. And they got Missouri coming in there who has won their last couple of ball games, playing really well. Got a young quarterback in Connor Basilak. Got a good run game in Roundtree mm-hmm. Beatty. I mean, they got some dudes who can get after a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see how Florida returns. I mean, they're going to be a little rusty. They have to be rusty. You being off two weeks, yeah. they weren't able to even go to their facility. They weren't able to work out. There's only so many things you can do on Zoom. So Florida is right back into it this week. It's going to be interesting to see how that team uh, comes back. And the defense wasn't or hasn't been good uh, to start this year. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Georgia takes on Kentucky mm-hmm. at noon. Uh, Georgia had the bye week last week. Kentucky got dismantled by Missouri last week. I think they only had uh, less than 300 yards of total offense, maybe even less than that, 135 yards or something. So Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. Uh, Notre Dame looking to stay uh, afloat in that conversation of who's the top four teams in the country, Texas and Oklahoma State. And then we already mentioned Ohio State. They're going to take on Penn State. Yeah, let's see that one. Do you think – what do you think happens in that ball? I mean, Penn State Mm -hmm. just lost to Indiana. But these rivalry games bring out the best in people. Yeah. Do you think Penn State has an opportunity to beat Ohio State? (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, just because that's to I know it's easy and safe. It's it's the chalk pick, but no, I don't think so. But I hope they can. I hope they can. You know, for a couple years now, I feel like Ohio State just they haven't really been challenged by a good team. Okay, they've tripped up against Northwestern. They've tripped up. I can't remember who else beat them. They've lost a couple. Maybe it was Indiana also. They've tripped up a couple times the last few years, but for the most part, when they when they play a, a, another ranked team, they they within their conference, I'm saying, yeah. um, they've handled their business. Yeah. All right. A lot of good stuff gonna happen in college football. One other news and noteworthy thing I thought was pretty cool is college game day will be live from the Masters in a couple of weeks. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. College game day will be on the on the sacred sacred grass of the Masters down in Augusta. So. Uh, this is the one time I wish I was on college game day just to be able to go and uh, take in Augusta uh, down there. So, uh, yeah, it should be fun. should be interesting, man. A lot of things to look forward to this weekend. But up next, Mr. College Football himself joins the Triple Threat Podcast. Tony Barnhart joins the show next. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast, and I've been talking about it for I don't know how long. I am excited for our next guest, and he's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. He's covered me. We're, we're both bulldogs. You've seen him <laughs> all over the world. Uh, 
Everybody knows that Mr. College Football himself, my man, Tony Barnhart has joined the Triple Threat Podcast. Tony, hey, man, how you doing? My, my man, DJ, it's all, it's all good. Listen, believe it or not, we are, we are halfway through the SEC season. Which I is, know. It just blows my mind that it goes so quickly. And uh, we've, been, we've been lucky to have only the postponements we've had so far. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> our, our friends up in Wisconsin are not having a good day. Oh, man. Think about them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed down here in the south that we can we can get this uh, season completed and still got a lot of good – November is going to be great. If everybody yeah. can play, November is going to be great. Yeah. Tony, before we jump into some of the things around the country and some of the teams that you, you like, uh, obviously – Everybody is going through this COVID situation. How have uh, you and your family been during this COVID time, and uh, how's the health of everybody around you? Well, DJ, I made a conscious decision for the first time. I've been doing this a long, long time uh, that I wouldn't go travel for games this year. It just oh. uh, there was no reason to do it. I mean, the reason I go to games in the first place is obviously to see people, to talk people, you know do networking and stuff like that, then of course the game is there, but that's not why I go. I go to, I go to interact with people. Well, you can't do that now. And, and there's no point of me sitting in a press box with two police pieces of plexiglass on either side of me, <laughs> and I can't talk to the people I want right. to talk to. And what I found out is sitting at home, I get to watch a lot more football. Yeah, uh, I get to learn a lot more, but that that's the main thing. And uh, Mrs. Barnhart has basically got me on lockdown. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, for uh, I'm going to give you a, a proper introduction for the people who have been possibly under a rock and don't know who Tony Barnhart is. Obviously, uh, you've been working in college football for many years. Uh, I think one of the top journalists uh, I've ever been around. You've worked for CBS. You've worked for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here in Atlanta, uh, ESPN, SEC Network. Me and you have worked together uh, on the SEC Network. Uh, you've been on college game day. I mean, you, you've done multiple things. You've run so many awards. I was looking through some of the awards that you won, and I was going to name a few, but I was like, that's going to take the entire shelf for the amount of awards you won. But uh, for the people who don't know, Tony has definitely a pulse on college football. and been doing it for a long time. With COVID and everything, Tony, has this been the strangest year that you have ever had to cover college football? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and let's go all the way back to the start of the SE. Well, Let's go back before the start of the SEC season. SEC season. Let's go to September fifth, the opening, basically the opening Saturday. Right. When the Sun Belt Conference went three and zero against the Big Twelve Conference. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, we should have known then. <laughs> we should have known then that uh, that it was going to. When Coastal Carolina won and and Louisiana went to Iowa State and won. Yeah. We should have known it was going to be strange. And then the SEC season starts on the 26th and all of a sudden Mississippi State and Mike Leach throw for 8 million yards against no doubt. <laughs> LSU and we're going, what in the world is this? And they hadn't won a ball game since. And yeah. guys, are, guys are bailing on Mike Leach coming and going. So yeah, yeah, it has absolutely been the strangest season I've ever been a part of. And you know what, guys, DJ, people told me, said, it yeah. is going to be strange, it's going to be different. Everybody's going to have to be flexible. Yeah, you're going to have to be able to adjust, and that is the exactly the way it's turned out to be. Tony, I, I love for us to go back for a second, and uh, a lot of people know uh, some of the things you've done now. But let's go back to how you got into the biz uh, years ago. What was the determining factor, and how you became so successful, and how did you know, hey, this is something that I wanted to do and make it a career? Well, when I when I DJ when I came out of high school. I wanted to do one of two things. I really thought I wanted to be a football coach. Uh, I, I played I played football in high school. I was small, but I I compensated by being exceedingly slow. And so I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna play I wasn't gonna play college football. But I love football. I love what I love my coaches and thought about doing that. But uh, started I started at Georgia Southern. Not a lot of people know that I started there and uh, had an opportunity one day to cover a basketball game and write a story about it. And, uh, and once I saw my byline in the newspaper, I was absolutely hooked <laughs> and decided that's what I really wanted to do. I love sports. I love to write. 
and so I could write about sports. And so then I transferred to the journalism school at Georgia, Henry W. Grady School of Journalism, Grady College, one of the best in the world. And I, that's where I wanted to go, and that's where I got my training. I started uh, the day after I graduated from Georgia. I started a small newspaper in South Carolina. I was there for nine months. Mm-hmm. Went to Greensboro, North Carolina for seven and a half years, and the goal was to get back uh, to Atlanta, where my wife and I are basically from, and wanted to go to work for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, that finally happened in 1984, and I've, I've been here ever since. And they said, well, you better learn something else other than to write, because newspapers <laughs> may not last forever. And that's when I got into radio and TV. Man, that is pretty awesome. I tell you, the, the career you've had, the things you've done and continue to do is pretty amazing. Uh, I remember when we used to uh, do our show on SEC Network, and uh, we used to have a, our, our own, you used to have your own segment every week, and it was called Tony Talk To. And that's one of, I think one of the most remarkable things is, I mean, we used to come to the meetings and you would say, yeah, I talked to this person. I talked to this person. I mean, mm-hmm. the relationships that you have built over the years, who are some of the most memorable people or most memorable stories that uh, just sticks out for you, you know, throughout all this time? Well, it, it really goes all the way back to Georgia when I was a student there. Uh, Claude Felton became a friend of mine. Uh, as an under, actually, he became a friend of mine at Georgia Southern, where he worked, and we both sort of transferred to Georgia together uh, when he did that. And of course, Coach Dooley, uh, I got I got to know Coach Dooley when I was an undergrad at Georgia, and then over the years, SEC commissioners like Roy Kramer and Mike Slive, uh, coaches like Steve Spurrier, mm. uh, and on and on and on and on. I, I tell journalism classes, DJ, all the time. He says, "Look, it doesn't matter." what business you're in. You can be in the journalism business, the the aluminum siding business, uh, the printing business, whatever business you're in, you're in the people business. Right. And building relationships is one of the most important things you can do, and which is why all my career I've I've done, you know, I've traveled during the spring and summer, except for this year, of course, just to go to campus, sit down with coaches, and you don't have any agenda, you're not working on a story, you're just sitting there talking to him, and, and he's talking to you. And that has proven to be a, a very effective uh, method of doing it uh, over the years. It's about building relationships because sooner or later, you're going to have to get somebody on the phone, and it's right. going to be really important. Right. And if you've laid the groundwork, they're going to call you back. Right. If you haven't laid the groundwork, they're not going to call you back. Yeah, I, I think that's probably – one of the most uh, valuable lessons I think that I learned throughout my career uh, was the value of relationships. And people always, you know, used to ask me, why did I stay at Georgia? And, you know, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And I said, the people that I met, the relationships that I built, uh, the relationship that I made with you. I mean, I, I go back to the many times we've had conversations, the many times that, you know, we've talked. And last week I call you up and say, hey, Tony, can I, you know, get you on the podcast? You say, hey, no doubt. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, credit to the relationships you build over the years. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. When you look at the landscape of college football right now, Tony, obviously you talked about it this weekend. We already got one Big Ten team, two Big Ten teams who got to cancel or postpone their game this weekend. How big is it for the Big Ten, I would say, if you have a couple of these, this happens a couple of instances, and we always look at the bigger picture, which is, you know, college football playoffs. How much will this hurt the Big Ten if, like, because everybody thought Wisconsin could be one of those teams that could be there at the end. How does this affect uh, the Big Ten and Wisconsin primarily in this league? Well, here's the deal, DJ. It's critical for the Big Ten because because of their late start. They just started last week. Because of their late start, they have no margin for error. Right. right? You you can't make up any games that you lose. There's no (laughs) place to do it. The SEC – Meanwhile, started on September 26th. Everybody has an open date right about now, four, four, fifth, sixth week. And there's a universal open date on December 12th where you can move games. Big Ten doesn't have that. They, they, they're not going to postpone anything. These games, uh, Nebraska-Wisconsin is going to be canceled. Wow. It's not going to happen. And if you're a team that, has, that thinks you're good enough to make the college football playoff and be one of the final four, uh, it's it's going to be tough because you know, because let's take Ohio State. What if Ohio State 
has to drop a couple of games, and the best they can do is six and up. Does that yeah. get them in? It probably does, but it, it's going to be a struggle. And the big, the big Ten, by doing what they did, left themselves no wiggle room. They've got to play all their games. That's, I mean, that's a big point because I think if the committee looks at the college football playoff and says, hey, we need an X amount of number of games to say this team is valuable to play in the college football playoff, what would you say that number would be? Would, it, would you say it'd be six? Would it be seven? I was told that they're not going to do a number, okay? Uh, they're not, they're not going to. Now, the number, the, the Big Ten did do a number, and the number is six, mm. okay? The number, if you want to qualify to play in the Big Ten championship game, you've got to play at least six games. So they did it, but I was told by, by the selection committee folks that we're not going to do it. We're just going to, we're going to take the teams as they come to us. We're going to evaluate them based on their body of work, we're not going to put a hard and fast number out there. And that, and that really gives the committee a lot of flexibility. But you yeah. got to believe, DJ, if that number gets down to six or five, <laughs> yeah. you're not, you're not going to make it in. Yeah, and that's what's – you know, you look at the, the Pac-12, who's about to play here in a little bit as well, they have no wiggle room as well. So I think when you say you don't put a number on it, that kind of helps them a little bit, but they have to make sure they go out and play – uh, I guess, outstanding football in the games that they have. So Pac-12, Big Ten got a lot of things ahead of them. Uh, let's jump into the conference that we both know really well. The SEC, obviously Alabama is uh, looking like they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Is there anybody else in the SEC that you feel as though if playing their best brand of football can beat Alabama? Only Georgia. Uh, only Georgia, maybe Florida. I mean, you look at the talent that's on the roster, when you really break down the roster, Alabama and Georgia have the two best rosters in the SEC, and it's really not even close. Right. Florida is a team that is capable of winning against those teams, but defensively that they're not anywhere close to where they want to be. Now, how's it going to pan out? You know, what, what happens if Georgia gets back to Atlanta? Right now, you and I both know that Georgia's going to have to play better. Mm -hmm. offensively if they want to beat Alabama. But from a sheer roster standpoint, Alabama and Georgia are really a level uh, above anybody else like a, like a Texas A&M or a Florida. They're good teams, don't get me wrong. But you're talking about elite our athletes. Yeah. Georgia and Alabama have the most of them. Now, my man Scotty D, who you met uh, coming on to the podcast, is a renowned lover of the Florida Gators. So he is uh, eating up what you're saying about these Gators. But them being off a couple of weeks, I mean, how big of a deal is that? You're looking at it. You got Missouri, who they're about to play. Missouri's yep. coming off two big wins. They're feeling good about themselves. They got that young quarterback that's playing well. Defense is starting to play a little bit better. Should Florida be on alert this weekend playing against Missouri? Well, for, yeah, for, for those two reasons. Number one, the Gators are going to be rusty. There's no way you can be off this amount of time and not be rusty. Yeah. And the other thing, Missouri's playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, they, they didn't just beat Kentucky last week. They, they really yeah. – it was like 400 yards of total offense to 100-something. They yeah. absolutely dominated that game. And you know, I can tell you what they're going to do right now. The Missouri uh, coach, Eli Drinkwitz, his defense played well. They're going to run the ball and try to shorten the game. Mm -hmm. And if, if the Gators can stop the run or slow it down, force them into some third and long situations, then I think I think they're gonna be okay. But you let you let Missouri crank out about a you know 12 play, five, six, seven minute drive and do that a couple of things. Now all of a sudden the pressure's on Florida to score on every possession that they get. And you don't you don't want you don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. Let me ask you about those Bulldogs. Obviously the big question with them, defense is really good. We've seen them know mm -hmm. they had a hiccup versus Alabama. <clears throat> But on the offense side of the ball, Stetson Bennett has been, you know, the talk of the town. Obviously, he played well in the first couple of games, didn't fare as well in that second half versus Alabama. Does Georgia have enough offensively, you think, to be one of those teams you look at in the college football playoff that can possibly beat an Ohio State or Clemson or beat Alabama for a second time? Yeah, they've got – they've certainly got the roster to do it, okay? They, they found another wide receiver to help Pickens, and that helps. The offensive line is only going to get better. The running backs are deep, as they always are. But, you know, Stetson Bennett's got to play a clean game. Okay, yeah. He can't have two or three turnovers for Georgia to have a chance. Uh, Georgia, 
thing about Georgia is they're very, very talented, but right now there's really only one way that Georgia's going to beat you. That's to run the ball, play action pass, get the big, get the shots down the field when you get them. A team like Alabama, they can play small ball. They can run it behind that offensive line with Najee Harris, mm-hmm. or you can see what they normally like to do is throw it all over the place. And Alabama is a more versatile team than Georgia. Georgia can beat Alabama if they play again in Atlanta, but they're going to have to play a – it doesn't have to be a perfect game, but it does have to be a clean game. Yeah, I, I love you talking QB play. Uh, obviously, there's a, another pretty dominant QB that plays in that other league in the SEC. I mean, in ACC and Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Is Notre Dame the team that could possibly, you know, thwart these Clemson Tigers, or is Clemson just head and shoulders better than everybody over there? I don't, I don't expect Notre Dame to do that. I don't, I don't think they're good enough offensively. Their, their quarterback, Ian Book, is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. He's, he's a good, pretty good game manager. I just don't – I sit there and look at that Clemson roster, and I just don't see them losing at Notre Dame. Now, if they do, it's going to get really, really interesting. But I, I fully expect Clemson to go to Notre Dame and win next week. Tony, here's a good question I got for you. So, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Yep. Two guys who a lot of people expect to be one and two in the next draft. Right now, if you were the GM of a team, seeing knowing what you know about Trevor Lawrence and knowing what you saw out of Justin Fields last year and in this first game he had last week, is Trevor Lawrence still your number one quarterback or is it Justin Fields? I, I love what Justin Fields does and the pressure that he puts on the defense. Uh, and if I'm a college coach, He's the guy I want running my offense. But if I'm an NFL general manager, I look at the skill set of Trevor Lawrence and say, this, this is what I need. Either <laughs> one, both, of them, both of them are going to be great NFL quarterbacks. And obviously, uh, Justin has better wheels. But Trevor, Trevor moves it pretty good as well. But, yeah, if I, if I had to make a choice between those two uh, in the NFL, I would go with Trevor Lawrence. All right. I, I, I was looking at something you, you said on Twitter the other day. You were talking about Hugh Freeze and what they're doing at Liberty. Uh, there's always a couple surprise teams uh, that you look at throughout the year. Is, is that Liberty and Hugh Freeze and what he's done? And uh, you talked about where he came from to, you know, where he's at yeah. now. Uh, is Liberty one of those surprise teams? And if that's so, what are some other teams that you, you look at and say, hey, you guys need to keep an eye on them? Well, Liberty's a fun story. I mean, because of Hugh Freeze's personal journey, what he's been through, right? Uh, where he was at Ole Miss and and and, and uh, having issues there, to where he is now at Liberty, a little school up in Lynchburg, Virginia. They're six and zero, uh, but the schedule for Liberty is about to get real. Uh, <laughs> next week they're going to Virginia Tech. Oh. They go to North Carolina State, and and they're a, they're a, a FBS independent. They added had a late addition to the schedule this year, Coastal Carolina, who's now number 20 in mm. the nation. So I think, mm. I think, I think things are going to get real for Liberty here soon, but it's, it's still a great story. There are certain teams you have to keep an eye on, uh, whether or not they can get like, like the group of five team, you know, can they get into, at least get into the discussion right. for one of the four playoff spots. And you're looking at a team like Cincinnati. Mm. I mean, Cincinnati, uh, great, Deep, Luke Fickle's the coach, great defense. They're probably going to win that league. I think they play Memphis this week, so that's going to be a, an interesting game. Uh, teams like that. You know, Oklahoma State, I, you know, they're undefeated. I guess they could win the Big 12 and go undefeated, but I ain't, I ain't sold on uh, Oklahoma State uh, just yet. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are some other teams out there, but I just listen, when we get down to the very end, I'm going to be stunned if it's not the SEC champ, the ACC champ, and the Big Ten champ, Ohio State, and then we'll just have a big old argument about who number four is. (laughs) That's going to be real interesting. There's going to be a lot of uh, teams with their hands up in there like we deserve that fourth spot and possibly even another SEC team in there as well. Uh, You talked about drinking with some of these uh, new coaches. Uh, I want to ask you about, you said Mike Leach at the beginning, obviously the air raid took off of that first game and, we haven't seen them since. Nope, uh, they've been grounded. <laughs> Lane Kiffin over at Ole Miss. I mean, well, well, what they're doing. Uh, which one of these new head coaches in the SEC have you been most impressed with or you think has the biggest upside? 
the job that Sam Pittman has done at Arkansas has just been extraordinary. Because yeah. you're talking about a team that had lost 19 straight SEC games. There was no reason to believe they were going to win any games this year at all because of where their roster was. And then all of a sudden, in the first game, they gave Georgia a run for their money in the first half. And then they came back and have posted some, <coughs> excuse me, some very significant wins. They play hard. Their defense is good. He, uh, they, he hired Barry, Barry Odom. Odom as his defensive yeah. coordinator. That is where – I just think from where they were, which is rock bottom, for them to be in this position. And, I, you know, they play Texas A&M in College Station this week. I give them a shot at that game. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that's a funny – you bring up Texas A&M. Texas A&M, I think, has one of the more favorable schedules down – the rest of this road, and they're one of those teams that at the end of the year could possibly be sitting there nine and one mm-hmm. with Auburn having to look really impressive. LSU has had their ups and downs here, but Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, everybody thought coming to this third year, would this finally be the year for him and Kelly Mond? Is Texas A&M possibly a team that everybody could talk about at the end and say, hey, they could be that fourth team without even playing in the SEC championship game like we saw Alabama do a few years ago? Well, here's, here's the schedule right here. Obviously, they lost to Alabama by right. big run. They got Arkansas this week at home. They go to South Carolina. That's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. They go to Tennessee. That is certainly a winnable game. Yep. Uh, Ole Miss at home, LSU at home, yep. winnable game. And finally finish it off at Auburn. I think that's a winnable game. So, yeah, it, it would be, you know, Alabama in 2017, Alabama went 11-1 and and did not reach the SEC championship game. Auburn mm-hmm. was there. Yeah, uh, and so uh, yeah, that 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 will be a big big argument if we get to that point. It's like, who's better, a ten and one A and M team who only lost to Alabama, uh, a, a ten and one Notre Dame team who only lost to Clemson? Mm. I mean, it, yeah. it's it, it's gonna it's gonna be quite an you know it's gonna be quite an argument for that fourth yeah. spot. And then it comes into how they played in that ball game, how did it look, you mm-hmm. know, the score, all that kind of stuff is gonna matter. For sure. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, all these guys have played really good football up until this point, and uh, you never know on the SEC schedule what's going to happen. Tony, I'd love to to, to go back and, and ask you about some of these coaches you've had to cover over your tenure. You've had the unique opportunity to be able to sit in rooms with these guys, and they open up to you like they open up to nobody else. Uh, if there is a story or there is a coach that you probably enjoy talking to the most, who would it be? Oh, there's several of them, but I always go back to Coach Steve Spurrier. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I, I got to know Coach Spurrier. I got, I got to know Coach Spurrier pretty well when he was at Duke. Uh, his last year at Duke was '89, and I was just, I was going up there. He was doing a great job at Duke. Won an ACC championship at right. Duke. Right. And that's when I first really got to know him. And uh, he goes to Florida, and I, would, I, I went down to see him all the time there. But then, then he goes to South Carolina. And so what, what I would do is, like, during the offseason, uh, I would just pick up the phone and call him to see what was on his mind because sometimes he'd say something and he could turn <laughs> it into a note or turn it into a column. Right, right. So it was, it, was, it, was during, it was during recruiting season, and I call, just called him up out of the blue. And he said – and he always called me Bulldog. So, what are you doing, Bulldog? And I said, I'm just talking to you, Coach. He said, we, got to, we got to talking, and all of a sudden he said, said, you know what, Tony? He said, you know, we're about to do something here at South Carolina. I never could do at the University of Florida. I said, what's that, Coach? He said, we're going to sign a player from the state of Alabama. And I said, <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, when I was at, you know, when I was at Florida, I never could sign any players from Alabama. He said, now, now later on, we found out them scholarships that Alabama was offering was worth a lot more than our scholarships. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, that's that's pretty good, Coach. I said, can I write uh, that? He said, yeah, go ahead and write that. <laughs> he didn't mind ruffling a couple of feathers here. Uh, now, I, I always remember the, the, the antics he used to have before he played Georgia. They would always have a couple guys out, so we loved playing them early. I mean – Spurrier always gave some uh, some really cool stuff. I mean, it's it's well, he, fun, to, he, fun to talk to him. He would always say, yeah, about the, because they played the Bulldogs early at South Carolina. He'd say, yeah, yeah, three or four guys usually out. We can count on that. He said, <laughs> then he told me later when he told me that later on. He said, you know, I, I got notes and calls from Georgia people. You're right, coach. That's exactly what happens. It's exactly, exactly what yeah. Happens. 
I remember when I was there, we definitely had dudes out before we played them. So he was spot on about that. Uh, Tony, what is some great advice? Uh, obviously, there are people who want to be into the journalism business. They want to get into TV. You know, they want to be a writer. Well, what are some of the other uh, advice or things that you can give to people who are wanting to get into the business uh, as a guy who's been so successful in it? Well, I, I, I tell the, the, young, the young people, I say, look, go do wherever, whatever you can do uh, to help newspapers, radio, whatever. Nobody has enough people to cover high school football. Go volunteer. Volunteer just to help out, to help write, to help chase down scores, to an answer phones, things of that nature. And that and, that and build, build relationships. Look, I, you know, I, I graduated from Georgia. I, I tell this story all the time. Uh, when I when I was getting ready to graduate from Georgia, we were in a, in a recession back then. I sent out a hundred letters looking for a newspaper job somewhere. Wow. I got seventy five rejection notices, and the other twenty five didn't even bother to answer. Wow. And that's just the way things can be. And then then one day I'm going past the journalism school, and they have a big bulletin board, um, and and they had a placement office. And basically, what they did is they helped journalism students find jobs when they mm -hmm. get out of school. That's what they did. And I saw a three by five index card uh, about a, a newspaper, a small newspaper in South Carolina that needed a one a person to man their one person sports department and cover high school football in Clemson, South Carolina. So I called up the editor and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm interviewing a lot of people now. I says, when can you be there, be here to interview? I said, I'll be at your office at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> and so uh, the next morning I skipped class and drove up to Union, South Carolina. It's about 25 minutes from Spartanburg, mm -hmm. sat down with the editor. And now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a month away from graduation. I need a job. Right. And uh, we interviewed, he interviewed me for about two hours. And then at the end of the interview, he picked up a stack of papers that was about that thick and put them on the desk. He said, this is how many applications I have for this job. He said, but I'm going to offer it to you right now. Oh. Wow. And so I took it. He, he, then he said, when can you be here? I said, <laughs> I said, Mr. Wilder, I graduate on June 10th. I will be here on June 11th. He said, okay, good enough. Wow. And, that, and that that's is... how it all got started. I was making, wow. I was making $125 a week and I was rich beyond. <laughs> yeah. In college, you can take anything you want, especially Absolutely. coming up. Man, that is pretty awesome. That, that is a pretty cool story. Uh, before we let you get out of here, Tony, we got to ask you, obviously, uh, at the end of the season, there's always talk. We talked about the Final Four. We talked about mm -hmm. the Heisman contenders. Uh, we, you know, I think we have a good grasp on who we think the three teams will be. Uh, what are your Final Four? And I'll just say, I won't say who's going to win the Heisman. Who will be in possibly virtual New York if so they have the Heisman for the Heisman? Well, I'll start with the Heisman first. It's, it's, it's the two quarterbacks we just named, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. And then there'll be, there'll be somebody else out right. there. I think Mac Jones is going to – if he keeps putting up the numbers Ooh. he's putting up now, but those, yeah. even though they lost Jalen Waddell, they've still got plenty. You know, Devontae Smith is going to just pick up the slack. Bold, uh, yeah. And so I think those three guys are definitely there. You know, maybe a Chuba Hubbard if he goes for 2,000 again or something like that. It's about – Who's going to win it is is we we won't know that until uh, November, and right. so I, I think that's what the the, the fourth the four, I mean I can give you a scenario where the SEC gets two in okay uh, Georgia Alabama run the table Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game both teams are eleven and one both get in yeah. okay I can give you an ACC scenario uh, Clemson goes to Notre Dame next week and loses. And Clemson turns around and beats Notre Dame in Charlotte for the SEC championship game. Both teams are ten and one. I think they both they both get in. So that that's one right now. And uh, you know, Big Ten. I really only see one team there, and that's Ohio State. I don't see the Pac-12 being a factor. What's going to happen in the Big Twelve if Oklahoma State runs the table? You look at their schedule. I don't think they're going to. I don't think so. I, I think it's. I think ultimately. It's going to be the ACC champ, the SEC champ, the Big Ten champ, 
and either two from the SEC or two from the ACC. You know what's so interesting, and I love the what-if scenarios because there can be so many in this year, and it's 2020, so it has to be something crazy that happens at the end of the year. And my question is, if the two scenarios happen with the SEC and the ACC, does the committee look at one conference better than the other? Like, they both play all-conference schedule. They both have two, four teams that are nine, ten, and one. How do you decide then? Like, if, you know, both teams go in that scenario, you say, which two or which one goes from the ACC to the SEC? Well, what they tell you, DJ, is that they don't, they don't say, well, this team played in the SEC and this team played in the ACC, so the team that played in the SEC is better. Right. What, they, what they say is, I'm sitting here looking at the schedule, let's take, let's take uh, Alabama. Let's say Alabama were to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Well, they look at Alabama and say, well, Alabama played Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. They played Georgia and beat them. They played LSU. They played Kentucky. They played Auburn. Mm-hmm. And then they'll look at who – it won't be like they played in the SEC, but they played these six quality opponents, and the other team played these four quality opponents. Gotcha. And it's basically how you rank – how you rate those teams that they play. Straight you would think – you would think that – any team that played a 10-game SEC schedule would have played more ranked teams and more teams, more stronger teams than the ACC. You would, you would think that, but you don't know until you see what the committee has to say. Tony B., man, you have been awesome. It's a reason they call you Mr. College Football, man, to talk about every single conference, man. I appreciate you. Uh, always enjoy uh, having a chance to talk to you. It's been a a pleasure to talk to Mr. College Football. I know a lot of people will be excited to hear some of the predictions, some of the things that you talked about today. So, uh, Tony, thank you for taking the time for joining us here on the Triple Threat Podcast. It's been awesome. Uh, we appreciate you. We always ask people to continue to subscribe and listen. Uh, it's been pretty cool to have you here on the Triple Threat Podcast, Tony. All right, Shock. It's always good to be with you, my man. Thanks, Tony, man. Triple Threat Podcast is here. We just heard from my man, Tony Bonhart, Mr. College Football himself. We'll see you guys next week with another great guest. But this this week was all Mr. TV. All right, TV, we love you, man. Appreciate you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.